Uh, the Lord be with you. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And thank you, God, for the gift of children and for the responsibility of being a parent. We thank you that you have given yourself to us as a father. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, just be with us in this, in this time, this, these 40 minutes or so, that you would uh, bless us and, and equip us to uh, do our best, uh, to honor you and to pass the faith that you have given us on to uh, our children. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, well, the, this is a class. It's, it's, it really, I really don't want you to see it as a class. It's more of a, just a discussion um, uh, in terms of uh, teaching the Bible to your children. I, uh, the reason I say that is I don't, I don't have the answers of how you're supposed to do this. The Menendez have taught a class similar to this in the past, and they've got finished products. I've got an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old and a 2-year-old. Uh, and Amy and I, like, we'll tell you, our kids don't, like, love the Bible. Uh, and, uh, you know, I want them to. I mean, I, you know, I would say they don't love it yet. I, I, hope, I hope that they will. Um, but, uh, but we, so this is really more intended to be a, a discussion. Uh, you may have some things that have worked great uh, that you'd like to, to share, and that would be fine as well. Um, and, and so what we're going to kind of do is I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not here to say here's what you ought to do or here's, you know, five steps to get your kids to, to know the Bible and love the Bible and have it, half of it memorized or anything like that. The, um, the, uh, I am just uh, here to, to sort of really raise awareness that it is, it is our responsibility as, as uh, parents to pass on uh, faith. And, um, and we'll talk a little bit about the sort of theology of, of that because that's not, that's that, even that in itself isn't, isn't really a complete or sufficient statement. Um, in 1904, there was a huge revival in uh, Wales, you may you may or may not know about that, but it was, it was um, uh, bars were shutting down and, and and police didn't have to carry billy sticks, and it was just a, it was the whole society was just transformed with the love of the gospel, and they became very very uh, mission minded, and they started sending uh, missionaries all over the world, and one of them went to uh, Argentina. And was doing stuff in the, in the streets in Argentina and converted a little boy named Luis Palau. And I don't know if you know that name, but he went on to have an incredible evangelistic ministry. They called him the Billy Graham of South America. And um, anyway, Luis Palau decided uh, that just out of he knew the heritage and out of out of gratitude, he wanted to go back to Wales and he wanted to um, he, he wanted to to really as a thank you and sort of have a sort of missionary adventure there and just sort of as a thank you to the Welsh people for, for giving him and giving his people uh, the gospel. So we went back, and what he found uh, a generation or so later uh, was that uh, half, one half of 1% uh, attended church. Uh, the divorce was at all-time high. Crime was through the roof um, because the generation that had had the revival uh, did not pass that uh, faith on. Uh, and so Palau went on to uh, do a movie, write a book, and called uh, that whole project was called "God Has No Grandchildren," and uh, and and the the idea behind that is that uh, you you don't you don't come to a personal relationship uh, or you don't have a personal or saving relationship with the Lord because your parents did. Uh, that that is uh, each person's re- uh, responsibility and privilege to come into a relationship as a child of God, and yet as parents we need to um, pass that on. I do want to say. Uh, this it, it is our a couple of things. It's our job, uh, but the Bible says I'm going to show you where and uh, how it says it. Uh, it's our job as parents to pass on Christian faith uh, to our children. 
And it is the church's job, our job as a, as a church staff, to support you in your ministry to your children. Uh, you are their first church. And in a sense, the, our, the parish church is a family of, of church families. And so um, whatever situation you find yourself in, you're, you're married, you're divorced, you're remarried, whatever it is, your, your job still is to pass on your faith, uh, the faith, your faith in Jesus Christ to your children. Um, now, their salvation, I should say this, their salvation doesn't depend on it. Uh, you may be here this morning and you weren't raised in church and your parents never taught you anything about the Bible. Um, and, or you were raised in church but your parents never taught you anything about the Bible. Or um, you know people who were raised in church and their parents had them in, uh, in, in church every time the doors were open and they, were, uh, they did devotions at home and, and, and now they don't care a thing about uh, the gospel. Your child's salvation is not dependent upon you. And I, just want, to, I want to take that burden off of you. Uh, your salvation isn't dependent upon whether or not you, you do family devotions or, or whether you read the Bible before bed or however you uh, choose to do it. Um, and yet we, have, uh, we are told to, um, to pass our faith on and to teach our faith. That salvation is the Holy Spirit's job. But the Holy Spirit, in, in my experience and in, the, in Scripture, I've never heard of the Holy Spirit teaching someone about uh, faith apart from uh, instruction or in, apart from Scripture itself. And so you, the, while the Holy Spirit's job is belief, our job is to sort of lay a foundation provide a, a, a framework for the children to, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and, and gives them the, the flesh of, of belief that they, there's, a bone, there's bones for, for that flesh to go on uh, that, we've, uh, that we've put there. Now, we don't, we're not going to do it perfectly, and I can tell you this. I mean, I'm, um, I have a seminary degree and, and experience as a pastor, and I'm in charge of Christian education, and, and man, I just want to get my kids to asleep by 8.30. I mean, that's, that's it's just... <laughs> That, I mean that, yeah, ain't, um, and it doesn't always happen, you know. So, so it's just, uh, it, it's a struggle. And I'm not saying, you know, please, we, our, our house is crazy. Like we, have, I have an eight year old, a five year old, and a two year old, and, and Amy and I, like we're we're just not really really calm and serene people all the time. We, it's just, it, and, and so you know, family devotions, light the candle, everybody gather around with their Bible. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen like that. And so I, I don't... Or we uh, tried. Or we tried. It doesn't happen like we... Quit hitting. Stop. You know, just like that. <laughs> it's just a disaster. So, um... The, um... <laughs> what I always remind myself about everything, and Amy and I, we, we, we talk about this, is, that, is the immediate feedback I get from my children doesn't... is not evidence of the lesson that they're, that they're learning. And that can be about Bible reading, it can be about anything. If, I, if I'm teaching my child to be respectful, and that child says, I hate you! <laughs> you know, for example. Uh, for, I mean, hypoth- <laughs> totally <laughs> hypothetically. Um, then uh, it doesn't mean that they didn't hear it that time or that they won't be respectful as adults. Um, it just it means that they're a child. And, and, uh, and I, maybe that's just complete naivete, but, um, uh, or, uh, but I really believe that. The, the, the immediate feedback we get is not evidence of the long-term lesson. And that's the same thing. If your kids, if, if Bible reading is important to your family, you have family devotions, you talk about it around the dinner table, or, or maybe you talk about it before bed or when they get up, um, and, and you have a little faith time, and they don't like it, 
it doesn't mean it's not sinking in. And so your job is, is not to make them like it. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's good to do that or find ways to engage them, but it's not, it's not imperative that they like it. It's just imperative that it's part of your uh, cult. And I want to hesitate to use the word imperative. It's, it's important that it's part of the, the, the dynamic of your family. Um, this is where it says that sort of the seminal passage that we always look to is Deuteronomy 6. And I'm using the Bible, for those of you who are in, uh, have second graders, I'm just going to use the Bible as we talk about that they got today. It's got some really good stuff in it, and I'll, and I'll show that. But this is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he's just given the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is Moses and um, speaking the words of the Lord and then teaching the, um, teaching the people of Israel. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now that's the first thing is it's to be on your hearts. But then, uh, verse 7, chapter 6, it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, take every opportunity. You're on the road, you're, you're in carpool, you're going... Uh, you're picking them up for school. There's just not a bad time to talk about the Lord. Now, you can be a little crazy about it. You just need to talk about their day and stuff like that, too. But there's just not a bad time to talk about the Lord with your kids. Um, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And there's some really important... That's, that's through chapter, uh, verse 9. And there's some really important things there... Um, but, it, but I, I'm going to jump ahead to verse 20, and it says, this is what Moses says, In the future, when your son asks you, what are the meanings of the stipulations and decrees and laws of the Lord that God has commanded you, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt uh, with a mighty hand. And before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his old household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land, he promised on oath to our ancestors. In other words, it's a long process. And one day, and you don't know when that's going to be, and you don't know exactly how it's going to be, one day when your child says, no, tell me again, what's the point of all this? That you then can say, you can tell them your faith story in a way that gives sort of new meaning to them because they're the one that's asked the question. Uh, I was in bondage to uh, my own sin uh, and you know, I maybe, maybe you don't have to say that like that to your seven year old but, um, <laughs> but your own. I, was, I, I was in sin and I, I made choices because I uh, did things myself and, and I, you know, that's sort of the way we, we all operate is we can't make choices except, um, except that way that we're choosing ourselves but God brought me out of that uh, by his son Jesus and I just you know, I want to pass that on to you and I want you to know how much God loves you and that you don't have to um, just be live for yourself that you can really live for something so much greater than yourself uh, and that is and that is God and Jesus Christ makes that possible so when your son or your daughter asks you don't wait a second you know I, why, why are we doing all this and it's a long it says in the future so not right now your immediate feedback is not what you get but one day when your child says, I have, a, I have a question, Dad. I've been thinking about all this stuff. I've got a, I've got a problem at school, and I don't know, something in my heart says, all this faith stuff you always talk about, that that's, 
that that's important to what I'm dealing with. So what, we're not trying to get our kids to be moral. I mean, we are, right? But we're not only trying to get them to be moral. We're not only trying to get make sure they have uh, Bible readings every day. But those are both really good things. But there are moral Bible readers who don't know Jesus. And we want them to know Jesus. That's the point. Um, but the, it's important it, that they, they will... Uh, when they see you and, and just know the sort of family dynamic that you that, that you have in your household, uh, that that faith is just a natural part of that. And so when as they grow up and they become adults, and what's natural to them is to have faith in Jesus Christ. If they see that the Bible doesn't scare you, because this look, this is a big book. How do you know where when you how do you know when to where to open it up? And gosh, the Jesus bit didn't even till the back. I mean, like how they if the Bible doesn't scare you. It's not going to scare them. But if you think, oh, I don't know. You get a big, big word, you know, some, you know, some crazy Tiglath Pileser or some, some crazy name or something. It doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Just say it confidently. You know, just, it's, they, they don't know. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, so one of the things I told, um, told the kids this morning in, in Children's Chapel, second graders, is this is not, this is not a collection of stories. Like it's one story. Now it's one story made up of several different, uh, lots of different stories, but it's really one story about God's uh, rescue, rescue and redemption of a fallen creation, and how He came to do that. Um, and uh, there are some really good stories in it, but it's not just here. Let's learn how to be like David. Uh, let's learn to have faith uh, like Job. Let's, um, let's learn to be nice to people uh, like Jesus was. Uh, those, uh, those, are not, uh, those are not bad lessons, but those aren't ultimate lessons. Uh, what you want to see is how does this passage speak to my need for a Savior or the fact that I've been given a Savior uh, in full. Um, one, a word about editing, um, and what I mean by that is... is Word to the wise, if you're just saying, you know, here's a great idea. I'm just going to read through Genesis with my kid. You want to do that ahead of time. Okay, you're going to get, you're going to, get to, um, to Genesis 19. And you're, you're, going to, you're going to get to the part where the, you know, the angels, the visitors, they come to Abraham, and Abraham's pleading for Sodom, and, and they go on, and, and Lot is there, and Lot brings them into his house, and then all the men of the city... Um, it says that before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house, and they called out to Lot, Where are the men that came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. You, you want to know that's coming, right? <laughs> like, um, it, it, it's, it, you know, home. Oh, goodness, honey. Um, uh, Mom, what's sex mean? Uh, then you, oh, my gosh. Then you're, then, you're, then you're in fifth grade all of a sudden. And you, um, you know, you, you, so my general policy is, is that I am going to let the Lord take care of the, of the Bible, and I'm just going to say what it says. But... There might, I don't want to get sidetracked by things like what is sex before we're supposed to talk about those things. And so I'm going to talk about other passages. But like, this is, now this is where I would start. Um, 
and, and this is really good too. This is, this is not really the Bible, but this is for devotional thoughts. Same author, Sally Lloyd-Jones, conveniently available in our bookstore. Um, uh, I, they're fantastic. We have two of these at home. One of them, I mean, it's just crumbling. It's all, it's all, it's, it's all apart, falling apart. Um, and this is where I, this is where I would start young, for young kids. Um, you know, four or five years old, when they can kind of hear, re, pay attention to stories that, that last a couple of pages, a few pages. There's some good, like, beginner Bible, two or three, um, you know, real short sentences. This is a great, great place to start. And it talks about Jesus the whole way through. It's not moralistic. It's a really good, um, it, some people give it a hard time because it's not, it's not actually a Bible, you know, but it's based on Bible. It, this is the Bible. It's, it's, it's taken from the is at least based on the, the original words. Uh, this is not. It's, it's, it's just retold stories. Uh, but it's done beautifully in a way that really is engaging. And, um, but, you know, David really died. I mean, I mean, David really killed Goliath, is what I meant to say. Um, and the little girl that Jesus raised from the dead, she was really dead. And there were some really some people who did some, some terrible things. And um, Naaman really took that little girl into, into slavery and um, you know, so I just let the Lord take care of that stuff. But then when I get to stuff like that, we just, we'll talk about that another time. You know, like I, I just, so I just think, just, so know what's coming. Um, don't, don't just, uh, don't just, don't just get into it without, without knowing. So that's, that's just a little word to the wise there. Um, you might. There are some great stories, though. I mean, the Joseph narrative is great. The Ruth, the story of Ruth is great. The story of Esther is great. The story of Jonah. These are great sort of stories. Now, three of those four have sexually explicit parts of, of there. You know, uh, Potiphar's wife. So, you know, depending on the, the version, I think this version I looked at it says uh, she says, "Come to bed with me." Uh, one version says, "Make love to me." I mean, so it, the Bible. One of the great things about this, the Bible is not a bunch of kids' stories. It's not a bunch of children. It's, it is it's some heavy-duty, uh, raw material that is it. There's a lot of comfort in that. I think. I mean, life is is raw, and um, and the Bible just meets us where we are. And, and so, for you as a parent, I mean, as just a, as a disciple who, you know, kind of if you kind of wonder, well, you know, the Bible is great for me to teach my kids. It's really you're passing it on to your kids, but it's actually, I mean, it speaks to us, right, in, in, our, in our lives. The, um, you know, the story of Ruth, there's so much in there, but there is the scene on the threshing floor, did he or didn't, didn't they, or, you know, and um, so I just, just again, be, no, no ahead of it going in, but I, you know, I know what I'm saying there, because, you know, five minutes is five minutes, and, you know, if you got, you got to read it ahead of time, you might not have five minutes to do that, and so, uh, so if you can find the time, do that. If, if you can't find the time, you just get into it and praise the Lord. I, I don't know. So, um, we'll, you know, the Lord will take care of it. Um, but, uh, but again, use discretion because you don't want to get sidetracked. You want to talk about the ultimate things. You don't want to get sidetracked with, huh, what does that mean? And um, before you're ready. Now, you, I think there is a very appropriate time, in, uh, early teen years, uh, to begin to talk about, well, there are times where people did bad things with sex in the Bible, and it never works out good. Yes, it's in the Bible. It doesn't make it right. It never works out good in, in the Bible. There are times where people have uh, two or three boyfriends, you know, girlfriends at, at a time. That does, it, doesn't, 
you know, just because it's in the Bible, it doesn't mean it's, it's okay. Because um, it doesn't always work out. And yet the Bible doesn't say, therefore, you should, whoever's reading this should know this moral lesson. It doesn't, it doesn't teach us like that. But that's okay because we're not, we're not trying to create moralists uh, anyway. Just also know this. If you get to something and your kid asks you a question, just, I mean, call one of us up. We're, we'd love to talk to you about that. That's, that's part of what we're here for. And shoot us an email. And um, you're not bothering us. We would love to talk to you about talking to your children about faith. If they have a question that you don't know how to answer, just say, gosh, you know, I, I don't, that's a great question. I, don't, I never thought about that. Um, but I'll, I'll try to get in touch with uh, Cannon Gibbs or Cannon Pearson. Uh, Cannon Layton, she's, call her. She's good. Um, the, um, no, uh, and and we'll, we will all, even Frank, I mean, just call us and we'd love to talk to you about that. So anyway, um, just another quick little word. Uh, if, your kid, if your child can read, it's great to have them read it you know, to you. Because you got a couple of kids. Like, I, I have one child uh, who's just learning to read, so he, I'm still reading to him. But uh, my daughter, Caroline, when she reads, she reads so fast. She, I think she's a faster reader than I am just, just normally. But, um, but she reads so fast that she doesn't enunciate. And so it's totally lost on Thomas. And, and so, um, so I'd say if you've got a couple of kids, unless they're a really, really good enunciator, um, just read them yourself. If they're, they're, they don't outgrow you reading the Bible to them. Uh, now, they may outgrow, they may outgrow this, uh, but, but they'll never outgrow this. So that's, so that's really good. Um, three questions for you to ask as a, as a disciple, but three questions to teach your children to ask as they read the Bible, is what does it say, what does it mean, and what does it mean for me? Now, that's different than asking what does it mean to me because I, what does it mean for me is to say it, it is truth and it is teaching me. What does it mean to me? It says how do I interpret this? And um, you know, The Bible is never wrong. The way we interpret it might be wrong, but the Bible itself is, is never wrong. Uh, what does it mean for me? Uh, it's just a little bit different posture where you're saying I'm, I'm submitting to the Word rather than uh, what does it mean to me just in my mind is... is uh, you know, how, do, how does this fit into my life already rather than how do I fit my life into the truth of what it's saying? Uh, what does it say? Uh, what does it mean? Uh, what does it mean to me, uh, for me? Now, I don't know. You might be the kind of family where you like to do activities, you know, where, where you say, uh, hey, we're going we're gonna to have family game night or we're going to play this thing or we're gonna, I've got this cool, we like to act out skits. And, and that may be... There's a great website or great resource. You can get uh, weekly emails. Uh, if you go to, I don't know if you have a pen or anything, but it's the letter D, the number 6, family.com, and the d6family.com, and there's a, um, there's a link on there called Splink, S-P-L-I-N-K, Splink, and it has gr- three activities every week that you can do with your family. We're not that kind of family. We, we, I mean, we... But they're great, and they really are great. We just don't do a lot of sort of role-play kind of stuff. But if you're that kind of family, that's a, that's a great thing. For you. If you have devotions, and, and that's a great thing to do. Um, the way you can add to this, our family, we just you guys got to find what works best for your You should do it, but you got to find what works best. Is it around the breakfast table? Do you even have a breakfast table? Is it before Is it for bed? There's not one way to do it. Just do it. Just do it what 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 folds into your family in the best way, but make sure you're, you're doing it. We kind of do it before bed. Uh, I wish we could say we do it every night, and our kids love it, and we, we just we try to get to it. And if we don't get to it, tomorrow's a new day. But, um, 
But all you got is all you got. The Lord's going to take care of it. Just do your best. Anything to add to that? You have any? Um, I mean, just 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 good to remind me. There's a lot of times that um that I'll feel like, you know, oh, we're trying to, you know, or you know, I'm trying my best to, you know, to be reading the scripture or talking about it as we go, and like we'll we'll have one child that I mean that the feedback is not always what you might think that they're thinking. Oh, I'm so glad to know that God loves me that much. I mean, I wish I wish we got that, but sometimes. Can I go watch say, cartoons now? Yeah, yeah, or, or they might say, "Why do you always talk about the Bible? Why do we have to pray every night?" You know, um, but but Joe's good to remind me. You know, it's just the environment that they swim in. You know, mm-hmm. just that they know it's important to us. That they know, you know, that they see us re- reading our Bible or or forgiving each other or talking about. You know, that's just what. That's what God wants our family to do. Like we're gonna, we're just gonna trust the Lord, you know. Like, um, and so, and just trusting it to Him. I mean, I, I mean, I can confess. Like, I will feel defeated. Like, is anything getting through, you know? And I, and I, I'm sure you guys all, you know, have it down pat, and you can teach us. But, um, but, but we just do have to. We just have to trust Him, and and trust that, you know, that ultimately, He He loves our children even more than we do. And I just love the prayer. I have this sweet mentor that said um, that her prayer for her children is that that God would fill in the gaps between what our children need and what we are able to give them. Mm-hmm. That um, that God fills that in. You know, like we, we're, we're going to do the best that we can with his help and we trust that he's big enough to fill it in. You know, even if we don't, you know, even if we get mixed up and, don't say it right, or even if we have the, you know, family devotion all planned out, and it and it just doesn't work like you think it's going to, just that he'll fill it in. Um, so I just say that as an encouragement. I mean, um, and yeah. that we're always up for ideas. That, I, but I do love the, um, I mean, the 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 D six website, but also um, Rob Reno's mm-hmm. the the family visionary parenting. Yeah, the visionary parenting website also has just fun, you know. Things that things that make it real for kids, you know, like do a race with, you know, like run around and um, and you know, like make a little track for them and time it, and then have them like put on all these clothes and try to run, like and um, and then and say, you know, that was harder having to carry all that extra weight, and you know, and then say in the scripture about, you know, like that, you know, that God carries our burdens for us, you know, isn't it easier when we just let somebody else carry it for us, you know, just things that kind of make it. Then you gotta do more laundry, so you gotta really kind of you gotta weigh that out. But, yeah. All right. So what I want to do, I just want to um, sort of go through a few passages that you might um, that you might talk to your kids, and, and we'll just talk. How would you talk to your kids about this passage? The first is um, is the fall uh, in Genesis Genesis three. Now the serpent. Uh, now, you, now I'm gonna read it like I might read it to my kids. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's right in the middle of of the garden, and you must not touch it or else you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows 
And when you eat it uh, from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, before we get to the rest, Caroline and Thomas, um, why do you think that the serpent would try to... Why would, he, why would he say those things to Eve? Now, when you, when you ask questions like that, you need to have an answer. Okay, so... Um, so it's good to... It's good, which is not to say don't, talk, don't, don't read the Bible because you don't feel like you've got any answers. Don't, don't do that. Um, as a parent, you need to be in, in your own personal Bible study. Like, you need to be reading through the Bible. You need to be involved in Bible study. Um, You need to be going through the Scriptures systematically. Even Leviticus, even Ezekiel, like, you just, it's edifying to you. And then at at a point when those questions come up, you will be more equipped. It doesn't, you know, I I know somebody who read through the Bible, and she was doing the chronological thing, and she said, um, I just can't wait till October. So what's October? The Jesus, the new, she just hated the Old Testament. I will never read the Old Testament again, she said, because she just didn't get, you know, she didn't get it. She didn't understand how, number one, it was, edi- it was scripture, it was edifying. Number two, it was all pointing to Christ. But anyway, so, um, all that to say, it is edifying to you, even if you don't understand, understand it. If you don't understand it, call us and we'll talk about it. Um, the, uh, so, so why would, when you ask that question, and you're, Kid says, "I don't know." Or we say, "Why would the why would um, the devil, the serpent, say that thing?" And your child says, "Um, to be bad." And you, well, yeah, that, that's right, because he wants us to be bad. Maybe, maybe so. How would what would you say to elaborate on that question? Yes, and what would, what would your answer be? Why would the, why would this why would the Serpents say, "You will not die." God just knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like Him, knowing good from evil. Isn't that a good thing to know good from evil? Well, what would your answer be? Okay, don't read that passage to your kids. No, uh, no really, I mean, don't wait on me for the answer. Tell, tell me, take a stab at it anyway. Go ahead. Okay. To tempt him to defy God, absolutely. Yeah. The devil wants us to follow him more than to follow God. To follow him more than to follow God, absolutely. Uh, will they be like God, knowing good from evil? If they eat the fruit. Actually, they will, right? That's, he was actually telling the truth. But God... The, the death wasn't a physical death. It was a, it was a separation because was the was the was the point. God didn't want him to eat fruit. What was the point? Obedience. God wanted him to obey. It didn't have anything to do with the fruit. So when the woman saw the fruit, the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. She took it and ate it, and she gave some to her husband, who was right there with her the whole time, totally passive men and he ate it <laughs> and the eyes of, I mean, that is so telling and that is a totally different lesson but that is so telling for men, for us as men who are made for strength 
and the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings. Were they wrong before to be naked? Naked? Were they wrong before? Was that, was that bad? Was it bad? How, how did eating the apple make a difference for them to not have any clothes on? Now, how, would you, how would you answer your child? I don't know. Come to call Cannon Gibbs. Uh, <laughs> how would you answer that? That's right. That, that, that's exactly right. Uh, everything, was, everything was open and everything was good. And they didn't, they didn't need clothes to cover up because there wasn't any, there's was no such thing as shame. And so, um, and then once disobedience came in, then it was shame. And the sort of nakedness, that was just a sort of a, that was just a manifestation. Another, nothing different about nakedness. They just ate an apple. Or, or it doesn't say what kind of fruit. Um, the uh, interesting, some of this Bible is really good. It actually has some answers in here. It talks about wrong, some of them are a little moralistic, and that's okay. Uh, wrong decisions. Did you know the Bible doesn't actually name the fruit that Adam and Eve ate? Things like that. Um, and and interesting, as you go further in the story, there is a separation between God and man that wasn't there, and yet God gives them clothes. And so He's great. Even then, even then, the very first. Number one, the first people couldn't obey God. The very first people couldn't obey God all the way. And God was still gracious to them and providing for them. And yet, what it, so what does that say for? So that, what does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean for me that the first people couldn't obey God? What does that mean for us? That we need help. We're all the same. And so there's a separation between us and God. And honey, there, there's a separation because of the, uh, you know, it's not because of the bad choices we make uh, that there's a separation. We make bad choices because of the separation. It, it, and a way to say that to your older kids is that we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Um, we, we, are sep- we are naturally separated. Because of this decision, we are, na- we are all naturally separated from God. He still loves us. He still is gracious to us, but we're naturally separated. Um, Isaiah 53. So you don't need a long theological thing. God lo- he, we're separated from God naturally, but God loves us still. Good night, honey. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, if, you, if you get into, I wouldn't get into too much, especially younger kids, we're getting too much into prophets and things, but one way to read the Old Testament is all that is anticipating Jesus. Now, it doesn't always tell you as clearly as Isaiah 53 uh, that it's anticipating Jesus, but it might be, um, the Old Testament might be um, showing the depravity of humanity, showing God, uh, humanity's um, desire to turn back to God, but their inability to do so in a sufficient way. God's uh, warning, if you don't turn, you're going to be judged. Well, they're not going to turn, and they're going to be judged. But here's Isaiah 53. Uh, anticipating Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain. 
He bore our suffering, and yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we're healed. It's the Gospel. It's written 700 years before the time of Christ. And all of the Old Testament um, is anticipating Christ. I mean, you can get to a passage like this and say, how do you think that God, how do you think that Isaiah knew that Jesus, uh, this much about Jesus? And, and you could say, what, well, what would, when, when they say, because he's God? I mean, that's a good answer, right? Because he's God. But, um, I mean, Isaiah's not God, but God is God. So what is that, uh, what, how, how might you say one more word about that to your child? about prophecy, about Jesus. God was speaking through Isaiah. You can trust His Word. And He's going to fulfill His promises. That's a great place to stop. You might also, you could also say that, that He, um, that God, you, you might take it from there, John 3.16, that He so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You can say that God wanted His people to know that, that even in their heart, their hard times, that hope was coming. They might not even ever see it, but God was faithful. And so even in our hard times, God is, God is faithful because of Jesus. And the, the Jesus yeah. story book Bible does an awesome job yeah. of Old Testament. I mean, just explaining all mm-hmm. that and pointing it right to Jesus. And just, I mean... It's such a great. Oh yeah, great like resource. it takes it takes the um, it takes the story of of uh, Abraham uh, and the sacrifice of Isaac. You know, he takes him up there, and it says that one day there would be another uh, young man to carry wood up a hill, and there would God would offer another sacrifice. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like it, it's just it's just fantastic. So it really does. Even the prophet, I mean, even that verse that you just said. Yeah, that does a great job. Yeah, it really t- takes the Old Testament and points what it. Ages to, Four to ninety-six. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many times I've thought, all right, I got to preach on this passage. And I'm like, Dave, you take the Jesus story Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does that say about it? Um, yeah, and I'll say too, this has great just sort of snippets, uh, and and it tells great stories that aren't necessarily Bible stories. It'll talk about like, um, uh, let me see. Like a life raft. There's one in here about um, a true story about. Here's one about a rocket ship. There's a true story about a um, something in World War II. It's real short. It's just beautiful. So just great little devotions. Um, again, not it's not the Bible, but it's great great devotion. Um, almost done. So let's talk. Let's talk about um, crucifixion. So we've seen that that. Um, We've seen that the uh, humanity was, is, is fallen and they are separated from God uh, that, and we are anticipating God's solution to that problem. And we see it here um, in John 19. Uh, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus and carrying His own cross, He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified Him with two, and with him two others, one on each side, 
and Jesus in the middle. And Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took His clothes and they divided them into four shares, each one of them. With the undergarment remaining, this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots uh, for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here's your son. He's talking about John. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to his lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Honey, why did Jesus have to die? Do you, do you know what day it is, what we call that day? That Jesus, when we remember that day, we have a day every year, and it comes right before Easter. What is that day called? And why, why, why would that be good if Jesus had to die? That's right, he, for, our, for our sins. He died, and he didn't just die, he actually took God's punishment for sin on himself. He didn't have any sin. He took God's punishment for sin on himself so that you and I wouldn't have to take punishment for sin. And that's why it's so good. Good night. He loves you so much. And then you you know you don't want to leave him there too long. You know, empty tomb. Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. That's a theological statement as much as a meteorological statement. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And you would, and you would read that with, with such joy. And you, would just, you would read that with such joy. You would read the death with such gravity. Um, just a, uh, one quick story. Again, my, my house is crazy, but um, we were, one night I was reading Thomas, the, um, the crucifixion story. On the crucifixion. Um, and we were we were on this page right here. And it, I mean that's that's a it's heavy. My kids actually really like that story. And I was reading it to Thomas and I looked up and Thomas sleeps in the bed that my grandmother bought for me. She died of cancer when I was in eighth grade. And um I was reading it and I looked up and etched in my bed was the name Thomas, scratched in the wood. And I looked at 
Thomas. I said, did you write that? And he said, no. And I said, Caroline! <laughs> and she came right in here. And I, I said, did you write this in here? And she said, yes, Daddy. Which is amazing, actually. Um, and I was about to let her, let her have it. That was my, my grandmama gave me that bed. And I looked down at that picture right there. And I, mean, I just can't tell you what that did for me. You know, I just said, I just gave her a kiss on the forehead. And I said, please don't ever, ever do that again. I mean, where else can I put it, you know? Uh, and so we, we actually talked about that later. And just said, you know, that, that um, I could, I'm, I'm, I could be very angry about that, but Jesus died for all of our sins, and I'm going to let him die for that too. Don't ever do that. <laughs> anyway, it's a journey. It's such a journey, and, and you know, in a sense, all the pressure is on the Lord, and what a privilege we get to partner with him. And I can't tell you the, um, I mean, it, just even thinking about this lights a fire in my belly to, to, you know, to be more consistent than, than we are. So we're, we're over time. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that we would live to see our children love you. And we pray, Lord, that even if we don't live that long, uh, that they would. And we ask God to give us the grace um, to trust them to you and to partner with you to do our part knowing that the only thing that matters is your work by your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.